Yeah. Lads, we're back. You know what the score, you know what the score is here. Hopefully we'll find out what these trumpets have got in store for us tonight. Proud, proud, very proud to be here. Glad to introduce to you tonight. We have Ryan Bevel, Evening. David Weir and Christopher Woodcock. Gents, how are we? Yes, good, thank you. Beautiful day on this bank holiday Monday, I have to say. So uh, always uh, raises the spirits when you've got a wee sunny day and we've got a couple of weeks break and the footy's about to kick us off. So I'm looking forward to it, that's for sure. It's good stuff, Brazo. David, Chris, no saying much tonight. That's unlike the period. Yeah, Trebian, Fraser, Trebian, Euro, Euro podcast, here we come. Yes. Mate, I am good, mate, and I am delighted that we have managed to replace Ross Duel because the last podcast was fucking terrible and his predictions were miles off. So good to see Brazo on the hot seat tonight. Welcome. Thank you, gents. Thank you. Um, terrifyingly, I mean, I, I think it obviously is more useful that we're doing this because Scotland have obviously qualified. But worryingly, like last, if you think about it, I was 15. This is when we last 15 to 38. That's 23 years. That's appalling, isn't it, really? If you think about that, that's so it's been a long wait. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling enthusiastic about our chances, definitely. Is that Bryson? If you put it like that, if you put it like that, Bryzo, there's probably one or two young ladies who weren't even born that you've slept with. You know what I mean? So, you know, 23 years of age, you know, that's, I mean, you know, it's, if you want to frame it like that, I mean, I'm just saying that's just a comparison, but there you go. Yeah. Well, back when you were 15, 1998, you still clung to the hope that you might you might make it, Christopher, although based on your podcast today, frankly, it's lucky that I'm still no kilt myself and slip my wrists after the amount of abuse you've given me. So uh, I would, mate, I, would uh, I, I just I need to point out, Fraser, we need to uh, make sure this podcast doesn't last more than sixty minutes because if it does, then that'll I mean that uh, Bryce will have had more podcast minutes and he has plain minutes. So just keep an eye on the time tonight, all right, mate. I was the same with Ross Williams. We didn't want him to pull a hammy. We had to cut it in 60, 60 minutes. Right, Faz, let's go. Crack on. Just, just to go, just a wee interesting point there that Brian talked about before we kick on with the, the wee agenda tonight. What were you doing? France 98, what's your memories are at? Do you know, Fraser, I I, uh, I I can answer this. So it was a school day. We were at school, I remember it. And um, we all kind of fired up the road because I think it was it was like a, a 4pm or a half three kickoff or something. I, was, I remember it being sharp. And I was uh, I was a, a guy, Gary Lindsay, who will be familiar to some of the boys. I went round to his house because we used to watch the old film games together with him and his dad. And uh, we all made a beeline for Gary Lindsay's. And, and yeah, so so I don't think it's one of those moments that you probably never forget. Although, as I say, at that point, you probably wouldn't have thought that that would be the last time you'd have seen Scotland, you know, in a tournament. But, uh, but yeah, Gary Lindsay's for me. Yeah, I was there as well. That was the exact same. Yeah, straight, off the, aye, aye. straight off the bus. There must, have been, that many, there must have been that many folk packed into Gary's. I mean, there was I more folk was. there than there was in Paris. But no, I I, as you say, it was straight off the bus and straight round to Gary's to, to watch it. So, aye, good memories. What about you, Dave? I was actually in France for the Morocco game. Um, it was a school trip. So the school had sent us on some kind of I can't even remember exactly why we were there. It was some kind of like religious trip, I think, or something like that. And uh, the Scotland game, Morocco was the last group game. But it didn't have any TVs in this campsite that we were staying in. So somebody had found a radio and basically we were all crowded around a radio listening to Scotland getting battered off Morocco. And like Bryzo touched on there, 
although it was a disappointing result at the time, you never thought for a moment that would be the last European or World Cup tournament that you would have um, at 18 years old um, and now 40, 41 in June. So, old bastard. Aye, ridiculous. That's the thing, though, isn't it? You forget, like, David would have been in his late 30s, you know, 98. So that's how, you know, we were only schoolboys, you know what I mean? But, uh, no, I was the same as you boys. I was a uh, day at school and then the bus after school got up the road and we're all singing and dancing and rocking the bus left to right and the wee stupid driver come up the stairs wee women like, ah, we're not going anywhere you stop rocking the bus and I'm just hurry up and get up the road you silly kill your football about to start what I mean and when did you watch it? I just watched it in the house mate you know what I mean I didn't have any pals at school so I just watched it in the house mate um, but I'll put a wee apology to that bus driver because she took absolute dogs abuse that day because she was taking ages to get us up the road so whatever she is in the world thanks for getting us home in time to see her you've got a few apologies to make, I think. I was just going to say, based on your podcast today, there's a lot of apologise. You've got to do fact, we need a whole podcast just so you can apologise to folk. Oh, no fucks given, man. David, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that regardless of what age you are, that Scotland-Brazil game opening France 98 was phenomenal. And to get Scotland back in a tournament, especially in Glasgow, you know, in one of the first games, that, that first game's going to be brilliant. It's going to be right up there. Can you remember who scored Brazil's first goal? Uh, Tom Boyd. Was it no, no Cafu? No. Fraser, you get one shot at it. Can you remember who scored? Was it the wee midfielder, that Sam, Cesar Sampaio? Wee midfielder yeah, well, guy? That was who it was. I think he was centre-back, but I, uh, that was correct answer. Ten points for Fraser. Yes, and yes. Boys, eh? credibility already. And then I, Tommy Boyd, just... Absolutely breaking everybody's hearts. See, just a funny story on that like, with Paris before we really we get into this, right? I went to Paris in 2007 when McFadden scored the infamous goal. And we were, that, that game was at the Parc de France, and we were basically in this boozer the day after the game, and they sold apparently more pints attendance on that 2007 trip, like either side of the game day of the game, than they did the whole 15, 10, 15 days of. Uh, France 98 that was the, the wee statistic the guy for the, the boozer throws is I'm swigging like tenants in one hand and a rum and coke in the other and, oh what, what a trip that was but hopefully some good times ahead last good summer weather's been cracking the day Euros see where we get us through the group stage but let's crack on eh? good. Scotland squad what are we thinking happy roughly with the the, sort of 20, the provisional squad obviously before some cuts to be made anyone any points of contention I think it's devastating that, that Lee Griffiths isn't there in the sense that as a goal scorer, you know that he's got all the ability in the world. There's two free kicks against England. And you just you just really want to wonder what has happened to him this season, given that, you know, there was every chance that Scotland might have qualified, you know, the Celtic side of things as well. And you wonder what's going through his mind at the moment. I mean, I heard his interview talking about it and he, and he was quite balanced and saying that ultimately he didn't deserve to be there. And there was that tiny wee bit of him that thought he might have just scraped in based on past reputation. Um, but he knew deep down that he wasn't, you know, at a level this year to deserve it. But and, and, and the other one I would probably want to just mention, and I listened to his open goal interview, which was Andy Constantine. And, and I, I think he was relatable on so many levels for all of us because there was a guy who was who was arguably a kind of journeyman footballer, had, you know, played 300-odd games for Aberdeen. It was a lifelong ambition to get in the squad, played, was then part of it. So so for his point of view, finding out that he's not made it 
that must really hurt, you know, that, that must be a real sore one to take. But but in the main, for me, I think the squad is correct in terms of the personnel. But but the other two that stick out for me are slightly different reasons of where you think that's probably going to be a sore one for a couple of those lads. EW, gutted not to get a call up, no? I think that's beyond me now, the real David Beal. Um, no, I think Bryzo touched on it. Just before I get to Griffiths, I think Stevie Clark's got it pretty much spot on um, in terms of trying to shed some of the deadwood that really kind of has been hanging about for a wee bit too long. I think Nathan Patterson, Billy Gilmore, David Turnbull, brilliant additions to the squad. I know that Woody's touched on it in previous podcasts with Billy Gilmore in particular. He's now a Champions League winner. And although he's not quite first 11 yet for Chelsea, just that experience in itself makes him a more experienced player than many of the Scotland squad members. So I don't see how you couldn't have taken him. Nathan Patterson, we don't have we don't have a full, uh, like a first place right back. Stephen O'Donnell does a cracking job. But Nathan Patterson, in pretty much a few games time, maybe not during the tournament, but in a few games time, will make that right back spot his own. He'll be, he'll be next up there. And David Turnbull, you can't leave him out, even though the, the squad, the Celtic, sorry, the Scotland squad, the midfield's probably the strongest position we've got. He's probably the best midfielder in Scottish football at the moment. Um, so, I brilliant additions to the squad. Lee Griffiths was, was the biggest omission for me, mainly because he's the most natural goal scorer we've got. And I, Would you have taken him, David? Three, Would you have taken him? Well, I was just about to say, with the three extra bodies that you're allowed in the squad, I think even if he was only good for the last 15 minutes in a game to come on and try and get a goal, I can't think of anybody better in that position. Um, and as much as Kevin Nisbet's come in and did well, London Dykes has done well, Chi Adams looks good, Lee Griffiths is the proven goal scorer that we've got, and I probably would have taken him in that extra three slots, I think. Mm, interesting. I think it's... Uh... I think it's it's remarkable that that Bryzo can relate to Considine, you know, both push, both dropped. And Brian can relate to him. I mean, so it's fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, only John Bryzo. That's the last thing I'm going to say about it, right? Okay. You are. Right. It's hard. It's, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard uh... do, you, do you know? Do you know why he's so bitter, Fraser? It's because he's lost every fantasy football league we've participated in. For the last four sure. years, right? And sure. I'm now a hundred sure. quid up. And you can imagine <laughs> that that eats away at him more than the fact that I've not played as much football as he is. You can imagine to the pain of him sending me that 20 quid at the end of every season. That's the real burning issue of why he's so bitter <laughs> and angry towards me. Let's be clear. Correct. So you'll get a chance next Correct. year, Christopher. Don't Correct. worry. Correct. Correct. Um, but no, I feel I, 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 I just agree with the boys, actually, to be honest. Considine is unlucky, and you could tell. Fee, I watched the interview as well, Bryzo. You could tell Eddie's heart set making it as a big thing from John. Uh, but, um, but we'll maybe come to that later on. Uh, Henry's the reason he's not in. Um, but we'll come to that later on. We could go to pick the team or whatever. But uh, Griffiths, uh, you know, Scotland are going to, you know, I don't want to go too further in case it comes up later on in the chat, but Scotland are not going to set up to go and battle teams two and three not anyway. So I don't think it really makes a difference, to be honest. Um, but, uh, but no, no, quite happy. I think in previous podcasts, as David said, I mentioned Gilmer would be in, I think, Turnbull, um, off the back of Jack and, and 
few other injuries, McLean getting injured. I did say previously I thought they would be in, and I think even gave Patterson a mention as well. Um, but no, no, no complaints. It's uh, it's as good a squad as we can probably get given who's available. So, um, aye, full steam ahead, and let's see how we go. Just on the Andy Constantine thing, I actually noted down that it is a shame to leave out guys like him because he, without a doubt, rose to the challenge when we needed him. When we needed somebody to come in and do that job, he did an amazing job in that qualifier. But I think there's a lot of Scottish guys there who have failed several times in the past, and I wouldn't include Considine in that, but they've failed several times in the past. And just because we've got to a tournament, I don't think you can necessarily go fully on loyalty. And I think Stevie Clark maybe got a bit lucky with some of the injuries in the ter- in terms of like McBurney, for example. He shouldn't have taken McBurney, and he got lucky with McBurney getting injured because I think he might have felt that he had to take him. Um, so... An example like that, Considine's maybe slightly different, but I do think there's more quality in the squad just now, even if it's Patterson, Gilmore, Turnbull, who are uncapped. You look across a lot of the other squads that are announced, there's there's a lot of uncapped players in a lot of these squads, and I think you just have to give them a chance when the time is right, because they're at the top of their game at the moment. Andy Considine and Aberdeen have they done brilliantly this season, and I think you need to go for guys who are playing at a higher level and playing more consistently. Interesting. I can't. I can't believe. Like seeing defence, I'm just. I look at our defence and I'm going. I'm just not convinced at all. Do you know what? Like, like obviously the Tierney and Robertson. I'd play the both of them. I'd play three five two. Maybe a wee bit like Chelsea did against Man City the other night, which was like you'd ask Lapeta, who was kind of coming out, stepping out, normally a right a full back. I'd do the same thing with Tierney on the left side, and then and then Robertson is a left left wing back, but then making into a back five, making it really, really hard to beat. Certainly in the, the England game. You need we need to go off to a need to go off to a flyer um, on the first game. But I think if we're gonna if we're gonna have any desire to do anything, you need to score goals. And again, I just I think we John McGinn is become a wee bit of a talisman for us so he I think a lot's going to going to rest on his shoulders but good to see Nathan Patterson in. I would play him straight away um, ahead of Stephen O'Donnell who's been a, a really good servant and Clark's really really loyal Can you though? He's played nine games of football can you really throw him into the game against England with that level behind him? I think that's, that's is, it a, is it a wee bit of yeah, okay, he's playing for Rangers. He's kind of been part of that romance over a wee bit, but it's a big ass to, to throw him right into a game like that in that scenario. Well, not playing England first. Playing him in the first game against the Czechs. Mm. And we need to win that. Um, like if you're good enough, don't I know nine, however many games it may be, but Stephen O'Donnell, like, I'm not a pro player, so this opinion has absolutely no value whatsoever. But I, I don't... Stephen O'Donnell is just poor a Scottish international we've had in a long time in terms of quality but there's no denying he's a, f- a fit lad who works really hard um, and, and has given a lot to the cause um, again a wee bit like Considine in that way like you kind of get caught up and be emotional about this and go oh, it would have been really nice if he got it there because haven't he's done he kind of had his kind of moment in the sun I'm sure he'll be enjoying himself with a bit of background on through it this summer he'll be singing away I'm sure there'll be hundreds of videos of that but I think again, even having Turnbull, massive. I would, I would definitely be giving him, him, him a run. Gilmore, I think, won't really get too much time. I could see him if it's dead and buried in the third game, maybe getting some minutes. But 
I don't really see him making a um, making a claim. And, and as much as I think he, he's good enough and stuff, but I think Nathan Patterson will get annoyed. If you were to say between him and Gilmore, both young younger boys played maybe just roughly the same amount of games, I think Patterson with that position has got more chance of getting an opportunity. It's a centre back into you. You look at kind of what we've got now. You know, McTominay, the spine, maybe Che Adams up top, Robertson, Tierney. We're just missing that really kind of world class or that you know top tier bracket of centre back that that most foundation teams are built on. Like, and you know, it's it's the one gap that you think we you know if we had somebody like that. And, and Scotland have been renowned for their centre backs over the years. It's been something that we've often produced you know, really successful ones and then you, you just you just wonder. Um and I don't even know, I can't think off the top of my head, have we got anybody coming through at centre back that might kind of fill that void as a it just it seems so strange that we've not been able to produce, you know, really quality centre backs. Um but maybe, maybe there's somebody in the offing, I don't know. I would definitely play like that as a, as I say, a kind of three stroke five at the back. I'd maybe I'd play McTominay, maybe in the first game at centre half again the Czech Republic don't really remember the two games the games that we played them are recent albeit there was like a B or a D team because of Covid and stuff I'd play McTominay McTominay maybe in, in the middle of the park against England and just make it really really difficult and just stay as long in the game as possible just totally fucking spoil it and just look to get set pieces um, can we run and set pieces on them again I think that's where Turnbull is decent but aye the squad I think alright alright Fraser, I think I think just on that point, the defensive situation, the defensive area is obviously the weakest that we've got without a doubt. And I think there's a slight worry that Scott McTominay might have to go in there. But if you watched Scott McTominay in the Europa League final the other night, he absolutely bossed the game. And I think it's a similar problem with the Tierney Robertson thing because if you if you take these guys out of their strongest position, because Kieran Tierney's strongest position is left-back stroke wing-back. Um, he's a brilliant centre-half as well, but Scott McTominay, I think you're right, might have to go into the back three at the start for the first game, but looking at how he bossed the game um, in the Europa League final and has done it several times for Man U against like PSG, for example, as well, earlier in the season, I think you're potentially taking him out of his best position too. And I know we're going to come on and talk about players of the tournaments, uh, player of the tournament. McTominay and Tierney could be outstanding at this tournament. If people don't already know them and see them enough, they could be absolutely outstanding. But they have to play in their best positions, probably. Izo, I can, I can only apologise, Izo, for the level of fucking stupid comments that we get on this show for these two regulars. I tell you. Barlow, take a blue tinted glasses off. Patterson is fucking lucky to be there. All right, he's in, but he's there to sit in the bench and carry the hampers, right? <laughs> Adorno, I've said before, is the international equivalent of Ross Williams fucking honking, but he will start because Clark is loyal. If it doesn't go well in the first game, Adorno will come out and Liam Cooper will come in at right wing back. So that's that. Davy Weir, McTominay at centre half. What? I mean, you've been drinking today, public holiday? Fucking geezer, a break, man. Midfield all day long. I touched on it earlier. I'll come back to it. That's the reason Considine has been dropped. Jack Henry has had an outstanding season in Belgium, and that's why he's been brought into the squad. Clark is very, very loyal to the players. So he must have seen something in Henry to think, I need to have him in, and Considine needs to come out. So much so that I think Henry will start, Jack Henry will start the first game. 
So um, I agree with you, Barlow, 1.352 is the way to go. Said it before, Scotland will set up. Hard to get beat. They'll start set out for three draws and Clark will hopefully think somewhere along the line will nick a goal with a set piece and that'll get us the three points. Maybe get us out the group. But if you want to go to the nitty gritty, the first game, Czech Republic, 14th of June, marshalling goals, back three, Henry in the right, Hanley, who's fucking honking and all, by the way. Tierney at left centre half. I don't know, right wing back, Robertson left wing back. McTominay, McGregor and McGinn will be the three in the middle. McGregor needs to get his finger out. And then up front, top three, you'll have Fraser, Ryan Fraser, Lyndon Dykes and Ryan Christie. Now again, Christie's lucky to be in because he's been honking all season and all. But Clark's loyal to his players. So he'll give him a run. If it doesn't go well in the first game, then wholesale changes. Gilmer, Turnbull, all these boys will come in. But he'll stick to try and test it for the first game, certainly. But Colt, you're fast becoming, sorry Dave, you're fast becoming the Mikey Stewart of this podcast, man. <laughs> an absolute King Jose. Right, we're on, we're, we're on our predictions, we're going to the predictions, Davey, unless you've, unless you've got something else you want to counter to Woodcock's points about the squad or you've had enough of them. I, I do, I do. I didn't say McTominay should be at centre-half. I, I agreed with Fraser that McTominay might end up going to centre-half, but I said that he shouldn't be playing centre-half because he should be playing in his best position where he bossed the game for Man United in the Europa League final, which is centre-midfield. I think you've had too much Sunday, David Cock. Well, I said David Weir should have been on this podcast, but there we go. Folk don't listen to either of us, so let's move on and we'll see how we go on for the rest of the night. <laughs> right, lads, Scotland predictions. Let's go on. Let's look at the group games. We've got on the 14th um, against Czech Republic. On the 18th against England and the 22nd against Croatia. Brian Bavel, what are your thoughts? So I think um I think our best chance of picking up points is the, the Czech Republic game. And to be fair, with it being the first game, I think it could kind of set the enthusiasm bar if we do get a positive result. I think I think of all the squads I've kind of looked at, I think that's our best chance. So so for me, I, I reckon we're going to beat the Czech Republic 2 1. Um but unfortunately, I think for the subsequent games, I think England look so strong, incredibly strong. I'd love the romance of it. I'd love the idea that we would go to Wembley. But I think England's are going to give us a chasing. And I think, to be honest with you, if we come out 3-1, I think we'll be doing well. But if the hope's, if the hope's there for the last game, um, you know, I think that's always the minimum that you can that you can ask. And but I think I think Croatia are ultimately going to are going to beat us two one in the last game and 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 kind of knock us out. But I think by winning the first game, it should it should set us up, and I, I reckon we will win the first game. Interesting, Davy. Yeah, I think four points is very doable. Um, and just thinking a wee bit about what Brazil was saying there, the is it the best four best third place finish teams qualify? Is that right? So, if Scotland were to take three points off the Czech Republic, you would think England will take points off the Czech Republic and then Croatia would take points off the Czech Republic. So Scotland would finish third, probably, under that, under those results. But I think four points is very doable. Four points would qualify you in some kind of way. Um, but I, I, I do disagree in terms of the, the chasing that England will potentially give us because... If we could get a win in that first game, it sets us up brilliantly for the next two. The England game is a bit of a shot to nothing um, because nobody expects us to get anything from it anyway. But I think the Derby-style atmosphere will help us more than it will help England. There's no doubt England are a very strong side. 
and they will be near the end of the tournament. But I don't think that necessarily means that they'll give us a doing because I don't think they would want the type of game that potentially we'll give them, including the Scotland fans. I don't think they'll want that type of game and that type of atmosphere. I think they would have preferred a much more kind of straightforward kind of game rather than that derby. Um, and the media will hype it up too. And you can't, I don't think you can go into that game as a player and, and almost put that out of your mind. I think it will be the game. And I know we're going to come on and talk about games to watch, but I think it will be the game for these teams. Davey, I, I, I want to commit you. I want to commit you here, right? That if Scotland beat England and we win the 35s league this year, will you run down the pitch in the last game in a mankini? You, in fact, you need to come on as a sub or start like in a mankini. If, if, if we won the league and England, Scotland beat England, are you going to wear a mankini? Yes or no? No. That's not good enough. The answer is yes. Let's put it to a vote. Rudy, do you think David should wear a mankini? Yes, he should. Be and yes. that's that sign Yes, good. Thank you. You're going to, you know, that's in fact, yeah, in fact, this is our decision. If Scotland beat England and we win the league, David, you are coming on as a sub in a mankini. I've got a, I've got a semi jump. Not quite the same. Ryan Giggs took his tap off and scored that goal against Arsenal running down, hit, hit the hair, <laughs> chest hair, like a Sean Connery. I can bond maybe. Uh, I've got an image, Davey. Uh, uh. I'm just worried about how bizarre that twist came there of like, you know, from going talking about predictions to then of me wearing a mankini. That's worrying. Davey, you've got, to give the, you've got to give the people what they want. You've got to give the people what they want. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Create a, create a wee bit of incentive. I love your chest cubes, David. <laughs> um, you keep that one point, Barlow, because we're kind of getting away from it a wee bit here. You know, uh, I'm a wee bit. Uh, confidence has gone a wee bit. Uh, two two panel shows ago, my predictions were scarily accurate. Uh, last panel show, I had Leicester finishing in the top four and Man City winning the Champions League. So my confidence is is wobbling a wee bit. So to keep it realistic, I'll say. 3-0 to the Czech Republic against Scotland, 4-0 for England against Scotland, and 3-0 Croatia against Scotland. We will get pumped in every single game. No, 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 no. Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. Clark will play for a draw in the first game. We keep us in it. England will get us over. The, England will get a bit of doing 2-0, probably 3-0. And then it's a Hail Mary against Croatia to see if we can get over the line. So as long as we're still in it, you're in the last game. Oh, interesting. I think if I go with my head, it, say, it says to me we'll draw with Croatia. Uh, maybe one each. Not dissimilar. Can I just get that kind of feeling like with the way the Austria game went when we played them at Hamden, you know, that way. Just didn't really see us getting back into it. And then we somehow somehow did in the two occasions. I'll go with one each in the Czech game. I'll go for England to to beat us 2-0. And, and then it's done the last one against Croatia. It depends where they're at. We're at. I could see them with their quality beating us, so it might only be one point. The, the optimist in me says we beat the Czech Republic 1-0. We scrape out a draw against England. We've got four points in the last game and glorious failure. But uh, it is, it's the hope that kills you as a Scotland fan, so that's why I'm, I'm a bit split with that one. Um, aye, but I don't think we'll qualify. That's, let's cut to the chase. But... Well, win or lose, we're going to booze, aren't we, Lance? Yes. Correct. Any other thoughts? Games to watch? I just, I just think it's good to have, as as typically what happens with odd-numbered summered years, is, is that you have that void of football and you kind of 
kind of hot. It's like, you know, seems like a big gap from May through August, but we've got a wee bonus here in the sense that obviously we've got some football to enjoy the summer where we where, where didn't last year. So I think just the fact that we've got it in an odd-numbered year and then, you know, we'll lead nicely into November's World Cup next year. You know, it's just it's going to be a kind of football marathon now for the next 12, 15 months. So uh, I'm, I'm, I think it's there to be enjoyed. DW? Games to watch, Scotland, England, without a doubt, not just from our perspective and from an English perspective, but from a tournament perspective, because, yeah, everybody will be watching that because it has that little edge to it, maybe unlike any other game, certainly in the, the group stages. Group F is massive. Germany, France, Portugal, on the same group. You can't eat. I was looking at it earlier on, and I know we'll come on to talk about potential winners, but the route that those teams would have to go through, even in the group stage, to try and get out of the group is massive. So, you know, every game in there is going to be brilliant. And then looking ahead to potential knockout games for games to watch, there are some belters because I noticed that Belgium assuming they win their group, would come up against the third place in Group F. So that's like Germany, France, Portugal. And that's just in a knockout game. Um, and if Scotland qualify, if they got through in third place, you're looking at a game maybe against Spain at Hamden, which that's another one to watch. So, aye, I mean, you could go on and on and on, but the, the definite ones there are the, the Group F games and the Scotland-England game. I, I know how we would beat Spain. Can I, can I tell you, I know how we would beat Spain if we, if we qualified. And actually, this comes from going to the Euros five years ago now. I was there when it was in France and I saw two of Spain's games. Now, this is no word of a lie, God's honest truth. I was sitting behind the goals and the Spanish, um, Spanish centre-backs, they whistle and code to their goal. This, this is true. Honestly, we cottoned on to it. And we realised that um, that there was like a consistency in the whistling. And what you found was was that when the goalie had it, they had uh, the the, the centre backs. They would whistle, so it was like they, they would do a short whistle if it was to go short to one of the centre backs. So they would just whistle once. If it was to whistle twice, it was to go to one of the full backs. And if they were to do whistle three times, it was to go long. And it was quite. It was. It was. It almost became obsessive watching it because you were like. What they're going to do when they get when the goalie gets this ball. So if we go on top of the whistling and drown out the noise, they'll not have a clue what they're doing, Davy. They'll crumble. Scotland will beat them. So you heard it here first. That's how you beat the Spanish. You just make sure they can't hear they're whistling each other. But if you've got a gap in between your teeth, that just makes the sound of a whistle. What the you know, hunters are whistling going on? <laughs> oh, the <laughs> some of the Scotland punters. I was going to say that would be a, it might be an interesting approach to uh, adopt with the, the ICC team and all. Um, although having played for the past ten years, I thought we'd fucking do deaf mutes playing at centre half of that quiet. I mean, but there you go. Maybe Whistling's the way to go with that. Um, the um, I, 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 so maybe bizarrely agreeing with David Weir for the first time ever. Um, Group F: France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. Now I know. The ICC podcast series is big and hungry. Here's my message to the Hungarians. Don't turn up. Your team's going to get fucking pumped in every game. Save yourself <laughs> the airfare. All right? Um, so they're done. Um, France, Germany, 15th of June. Portugal, Germany, 19th of June. Yeah, Group F is, is tasty. So um, I, above and beyond watching the Scotland games, that might be 
I might be the group to dial into um, and we'll see how it progresses. I haven't looked as far as Davey in terms of knockout stages, but just looking forward to a bit of football, a few beers and some sunshine and hopefully some company at some point. Again, I'm going to keep this probably quite easy. Agree, Group F, Portugal, France, Germany, certainly the group to watch. Our own one with England, yeah, always when you've always, even even just uh, the Welsh Woodcock, I know how much you love the Welsh, for the, your Welsh fans out there. I don't, want to, um, talk, I don't yeah. want to talk about Wales at all ever on this podcast again. Don't mention their name. Yeah, when it's always good when you've got a bit of home nation uh, representation and stuff. You get a bit of coverage, but at the same time, Sky Sports twenty four seven about how England are going to win it. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to cope with that. Um, but yeah, Group F. Can, can I just? I'll give you a pre pre warning as well, chaps, because we're all going to enjoy a wee refreshment over the Euros. But Saturday night was the first time, kind of post COVID, that I went and, and and got in in the zone of it and ended up having a few beers. And what I learned was was that I am spectacularly out of training, combination of age and obviously not now uh, having the opportunity to bevy as much. And uh, after a few Guinnesses and a couple of shots, I was hugging the pan from four a.m. Sunday morning. So let this be a pre-warn to you: Guinness and Jaeger bombs don't go, and if they do go. You're going to feel it the next day. Well, no 18 anymore, boys. Uh, it was spewing every 10 minutes for two hours. Uh, it's not worth it. So, Christopher, I know you're a man that does a hangover atrociously. So, let that be a warning to you, sir. Speaks volumes for Bryce with that. It's probably can, the best Dan. bit of advice you'll give on this podcast the whole night. So, moving on, Barlow. Hey, aye, moving on swiftly. Winners, winners, who we fancying, who we tapping. Yeah, dark courses and a whipping boy. So, give us one each. Why not Dark Horse Whitten Boy? Can it be Scotland for all of them? Uh, the winner for me, I can't believe I'm, I'm saying this, but I think it's going to be England. I do. I, do, I think it's, they came mightily close. It's going to be their moment, so it's going to be England. Um, the Dark Horse, that's a difficult one. I, I think, again, Croatia could 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 be if they... I think Croatia could, could ruffle a few feathers... Um, yeah, like Woody, I think Hungary are going to be the whipping boys. I think I think they're going to struggle. So, but I think England are going to win it. I'm sorry, chaps. Yeah, England tap half prize though. No, <laughs> not even a Rangers fan as well. Oh, DW. The winners for me are Belgium. Um, although De Bruyne finds out in the next few days what his kind of tournament's going to be like. So, that... already backtracking. You're already backtracking, David. No, but. But that's that's what I was going to say. That's how crucial he is to them winning because Belgium are a very talented side. But without De Bruyne, I mean, who could cope without that? So I'm going to put in a bit of a condition that if De Bruyne isn't fit, France will win it. They'll win it. Uh, dark horses for me, Denmark. Um, looking at the group and looking at the route to the final, um, it could potentially be England-Denmark semi-final. Um, and I think, you know, Denmark getting that far would be a brilliant achievement and then you can't rule anybody out. Whipping boys for me are North Macedonia. Um, I think you can't come out of, what was it, Nations League Group C. And I think that's a brilliant format that they've got, rewarding these teams with the experience they've been at the tournament. Apart, Hungary will struggle in their group without a doubt, but North Macedonia for me are, are well out their depth probably in this tournament and, and that'll that'll show, I think. 
My uh, my prediction is this will be Davy Weir's last appearance on this podcast. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Bryzo. England are going to win it. Foden's different gravy. Uh, uh, I mean, you guys not might not be able to spot a player, but I can spot a player. Foden is different gravy. All right. <laughs> um, so I England England are going to batter everybody, um, especially Kane, top goal scorer. I mean, he's going to score about four against Hanley. I mean, so fucking Kane, top goal scorer. England to win. Dark horse. I'm going to go with. The Dutch, the Dutch, um, and a wee stat here, Balo, just to back it up. They didn't qualify for Euro 2016. They didn't qualify for the World Cup in 2018, which was their worst run since the 80s in terms of qualifying for tournaments. However, the tournament they did qualify for the 80s, 1988, they fucking won it. So the Dutch have came full cycle. It is their turn again. They're flying under the radar. They've got a decent wee squad. Not the Dutch of old, but good enough to win this tournament. Holland is a dark course and potential outside winners uh, for me. Interesting, interesting. I've got a wee sort of blend of what you all said there, I think. The three favourites, Belgium, England and France. I want to say I'm going to go with Belgium for putting a, a, a name on the door. Again, I agree with David, what he's saying with De Bruyne. I think he could be massive, massive for them. Um, and I'll go for Dark horses, Italy, very sort of sneaking under the radar. Um, they get some Mancini's kind of getting a decent run with them. Kind of a solid, a settled, settled team. Not anything spectacular, very workmanlike, but uh, they they could, depending on how things shape up as well, maybe get a wee run in the latter stages. But yeah, Belgium, Belgium may win it. But boys, Macedonia, absolutely Macedonia. I just like what are they doing there? Like, do you know what I mean? Done Euro. They should have just up to Eurovision or something like that. That's just going to be absolute tatters. I actually can't wait. Can't wait to come back to this this section of this podcast because England for me have always got an Iceland in them. Always, and and some of those teams that we've just spoken about there, Italy for example, Fraser. For me, they were a potential dark horse, but looking at the route that they would have to go, I was like, that's probably just too tough. But, I mean, imagine if Italy beat England. You know, some that that could happen at this tournament. Without a, without a shadow of a doubt, England could, could go out to someone that we don't expect them to. I, uh, I miss my whipping, boys. I'll go with, with Hungary as well. Like I said to the, the good people of Hungary, don't, don't get your flight over because you're wasting your time. Um, but like the Commonwealth Games, Hungarian squad will turn up and then disappear into the country and try and seek asylum. <laughs> uh, now that we're in the EU, you know what I mean. But uh, aye, so don't 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 turn up if you're very hungry because you're, you're going to get scudded. <laughs> don't 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 tell them about me passport control because I'm in the first boat <laughs> out. I'm clinging on to this. <laughs> just David, just talking about uh, Italy. Just again. They we we staffed you just in a qualifying one all our group all, all our games won three point seven goals per game conceding only four they play four three three based in pressing possession speed and again not maybe the household names of before but someone who's been I think excellent for Chelsea but again really certainly his statistics read really well but maybe not as easy on the eye at times as Jorginho obviously takes penalties as well um, and then they've got. They've got the boy up, they've got Verratti in the middle of the part and they've got Insignia up top. So if you're going to go far, you need, you need to be, you need to have, be tight at the back and uh, score goes without saying in any level of competition, which probably leads nicely on to 
predictions for top scorer and player of the tourney. Rizal. Uh, the top goal scorer, I think, could be potentially between Karim Benzema and Harry Kane. I think I think they're the standout out and out strikers um, of all the the teams. I know obviously Lukaku will be there for Belgium, but but for me, it's and Benzema is making his first appearance for France. I think in five years or something like that. So he's got a point to prove. They're obviously the world champions. I think we've not really talked about France ironically at all. Nobody's really mentioned them in any breath, but they'll be there about. Um, I think unfortunately I'm going to go back to it. I think Phil Foden could could set this. I like. I think. I think he, if he gets the the kind of the opportunity to play for England, um, uh, some game time, I think. I think he could be the player of the tournament. I think that's just his moment as well, potentially. I'm thinking up England too much, isn't I? Christ. It'd be interesting to listen to this back after after it all unfolds, Davy. What are you thinking? Yeah, top goal scorers, an interesting one because at these tournaments you really only need to score maybe one hat trick, and then you're right up in there. Was it? Was it Selenko, Oleg Selenko, that, that won it with Russia because he'd scored four in one game or something like that? Any sign um, for the glorious Glasgow Rangers, David? Aye. So, do you know, the, the top goal scorer is a, is a hard one because you look at all those games, including like the whipping boys that we were talking about. And if somebody bagged a couple in that, then they're going to be up there by the end. But in terms of who you think would regularly score, got to say Harry Kane. I mean, Harry Kane could easily score a, ga- a goal in each of those group games for a start. Um, Mbappé. Could be, you know, he could have a cracking tournament as well. Um, Lukaku. But I was looking at I was looking earlier on to see if there was anybody else, you know, that could potentially come out. I don't know if you remember the boy um Kaladzic for Austria that scored against Scotland recently, and he's been banging in the goals for Stuttgart. Um, so you kind of look at his group and you go, Well, there you go. I mean, if he got a if he got a few goals against North Macedonia, then he's going to be right up there too. He's big six foot five kind of guy, um, young guy, um, and they talk highly of him. So if you're looking for someone like a wee bit different outside the, the typical names, then he would he would could be up there. Player of the tourney, I think Kante might get it for France. Um, you know, somebody like that because he, the other night in the Champions League final, was just a machine, was just absolutely phenomenal. And if France were to go on and win it, I know Benzema would be up there and Mbappe would be banging in the goals, but I think Kante would come across as the one who actually helped him um, get there, get to, to win it potentially. So somebody like that could come through as player of the tourney for me. I mean, I've heard all now, Fraser. I mean, David Weir gained advice about top goal scorers. A man renowned for his goal scoring. I mean, it's like going to Harold Shipman for medical advice, for fuck's sakes. Um, <laughs> just to mix up, I need to go with Foden. Foden just to Foden just to outdo O'Donnell for player of the tournament, Justin no more. All right. Um top goal scorer, I'm gonna go with CR7, Ronaldo, just because he's the only footballer with a bigger ego than mine. So we'll go with Ronaldo, top goal scorer. Um but aye, that's uh is that a top goal scorer and play anything else? Did I miss something? That was that one tip. I'll just end now why share is yes, I wisdom. Yeah, just your sign off from the podcast just hit that leave button I just want to share that I'm wearing my Scotland top I'm, I'm wearing my Scotland top and it's made by Adidas and if Adidas want to send me any gear or are listening to this then please do it and also Iron Brew is my favourite drink so if Iron Brew are listening to this can I get a couple of packs of Iron Brew for your charge please and also the sweater shop if 
it's still in existence, then I would like a couple of sweater shop tops if they're still on the go. Thanks. I thought you were going to ask for a cardigan there for Davey, but you know, you were going with that, but obviously not. Right. I, I, if you're going to win something, big players need to step up. Top goal scorers normally can be there or thereabout. Um, the three teams I tipped maybe Belgium, obviously, France, England. So with that, you've got to be looking at Lukaku, Mbappe, uh, and Kane for top for one of the top goal scorers. I'll go because I said because Kane Kane takes the penalties for England. I think Lukaku is taking them for Belgium as well. That's the only thing I could see them getting ahead of Mbappe. So I'll go for because again with the groups, I'll go for Kane for top goal scorer. Uh, and maybe maybe even Lukaku to get a, a player of the tournament um, potentially up there with the goals as well especially if, if Belgium win it and then get a big move back to the Prem but Foden Foden is I just I know we talked about him before and we already been talked about him tonight he is just different gravy it's he as well Mason Mount what a player he is by the way and look, we're not even talking about guys like that even Sancho really really good player but Foden is just another level so Aye, that's that's who that's who I'll go for. Just to throw something into the mix here, though, I was watching Pep's decision to play Sterling the other night, and probably like loads of people couldn't believe it that he was in. Gareth Southgate potentially will do something similar and play Sterling, and you kind of wonder then where Foden and where Mount fit into all that because he can't play all of them. You know, he's not going to be able to squeeze them all in. So as much as we're praising Foden and Mount. There's absolutely no guarantee that these guys are going to play because of how much he likes Raheem Sterling. Did you just critique Pep Guardiola, Dave? Aye, drop him an email, Davey. Tell him you used to run a team Saturday morning. You've got a couple of ideas. <laughs> Pep, Pep at Gmail. <laughs> Pep. <laughs> Pep at ICT. Oh, that's... That's, uh, that's, 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 that's me done, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, Raheem Shell and Sterling Shade David. I mean, why the why would he play? I mean, what I mean that I can't believe it. But where's he gonna fit in? Sterling, Foden, Mount, where are they fitting in? That's exactly how they're gonna fit in. Sterling, Foden, Mount. That's it. You've just described the three. Well, he plays Foden plays out right, cutting in on the left, Mount playing on the other side, cutting in. And Sterling, Sterling in the middle and, and behind Kane I think that's what they'll, they'll start with I think any wonder your manager you know just went fucking downhill Davey I mean what? I mean, do you know you've got 11 players in a football team do you know that no I was just going to wrap this segment up by saying I picked CR7 for top goal scorer because he takes a free kick for Portugal and MD the announcer common sense knows the best players always take the free kicks so there we go yeah, how, how on earth are we going to get your ego in, in the next podcast? I don't know where that. Chaps? On that note. Chaps, on that note, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope the boys enjoy it. And don't listen to anything that we say. Thank you for tuning in and thank you to the gents for joining, especially Bryzo, making a guest appearance. And like I say, I will maybe stick a wee message on the chat and hopefully get some of the trips over for one of the games over the course of June so we can get a proper catch-up and some beers in the back garden with a bit of sunshine. But uh, but well done tonight, gents. That was good. Fire, fire out your address, Woody. Just, just fire it out now. Thank you. It's a secret chat, Dave. We've got to go. You're not involved, so. <laughs> <laughs> Next podcast will be European champions. Here we go. This one, lads. Cheers. Cheers.